Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, 2017. With me today are Mark Pender in the U.S. and our man in London, Jeremy Hawkins. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist. Jeremy, the ECB meets tomorrow and there are questions about whether the quantitative easing will be eased. Or, and there's, is there any Brexit progress after the meeting with the EU over the weekend? And then, of course, there's Spain. You have a lot of stuff. Okay, yes. Well, let's kick off in some ways with a more interesting one, which is the ECB. So Thursday then, uh, widely regarded in the markets as being recalibration day, to use the ECB's preferred term. So essentially, as you say, it's really a case of what they're going to do with their quantitative easing programme going forwards, in particular in 2018. I suppose we should really kick off with something which we do know, unless we're really going to be surprised, and that is that there won't be any change in key interest rates. Um, The forward guidance, with which they've been running for, what, a long while now, says that interest rates won't be changed until the QE program itself has been um, completed. So, in other words, the benchmark referee rate is going to stay at zero, the other rate, the key deposit rate at minus 0.4%, and the marginal lending rate at 0.25%. Now, in terms then of quantitative easing, which is where um, the investor focus is going to be, the big question marks are over the extent and the duration of the anticipated tapering of asset purchases. Now, really, it kind of comes down, I suppose, to sort of two main choices. They could introduce a small taper. So, I mean, currently they're running at an average of 60 billion um, euros a month of asset purchases. Last time they reduced that, it was by 20 billion back in April. So, there's a reasonable chance they could do the same again. So, that would take it down to 40 billion a month, and that could perhaps run over a relatively short period of perhaps six months or so. An alternative would be to make a larger reduction, so a more aggressive tapering, let's say of 40 billion, so down to 20 billion worth of asset purchases a month. But that could be extended over perhaps a period of a full year, so to cover the whole of 2018. Now, in terms of sort of the differences between the choices, and I think this will certainly tell us um, quite a bit about where the ECB is coming from at the moment, is going to be really... how how they pitch this thing. I think the chances are that they want to see a relatively slow taper. They want to extend this program almost as far as they can. Bear in mind that at this stage, they still believe that monetary accommodation is required in order to keep the economy growing and eventually hit their near 2% inflation target. If they were to go for, let's say, just a six-month period of tapering, then, strictly speaking, unless they're going to change this quantitative easing, that would be the completion of the program. So markets, of course, inevitably anticipating things will start to think about the first hike in interest rates. And that, in turn, could push the euro higher. And they're not going to want that because it's going to make it that much harder to inflation target. So I think it makes sense to assume that in terms of duration, at least, they're probably going to announce this thing throughout the, the balance of 2018. And in that way, markets will know on the basis that the forward guidance doesn't change that interest rates are going to stay at their current zero levels over the foreseeable future. And that in turn may help to you know, reduce the upside potential to the euro itself. And we'll have to wait to see exactly what they're going to do. But I think whatever they do change, choose. Bear in mind that they are still easing at the moment. Uh, We're not in a kind of a Fed situation where we're talking about outright tightening. That the ECB is still a long way off yet. 
Um, and indeed, I think uh, Mr Draghi, the ECB president, will maintain a very cautious tone when it actually comes to what he says in the press statement. With regards to Brexit and so on, well, I suppose the surprise last Friday was that we had a relatively positive statement coming out of the EU leaders meeting. However, that was still couched in all sorts of caveats. And the bottom line is now that, what, we have only seven weeks until we get to the next big EU summit in December. Um, and that's where, of course, everyone's still hoping we'll see some kind of announcement regarding a trade deal. But in a nutshell, I think it comes down to the fact that if we're going to see some kind of trade deal, we're going to have to see the UK increase the amount it's prepared to offer in order to deliver Brexit in the first place. And the talk is uh, ostensibly the, the European Union wants the bill to come in around about 60 billion euro. The UK is still offering something around about the 20 billion mark. So there's a pretty chunky gap there, which has got to be closed. So I mean, yes, I think we can say Friday's results from the EU Council meeting were, were mildly bullish as far as the pound's concerned, but there's still an awful long way to go with that regard you know, to, to, to when we're actually going to finally see what the issue, the final issue is going to be resolved. Just quickly, I should mention also on the pound, it has actually had a relatively good day today. And this is really looking ahead into next week when we get the Bank of England meeting. We have had a few soft data out of the UK over the last few days, which have caused people to start to backtrack a little bit on rate height expectations. But today we got um, the third quarter GDP, the provisional estimate, that came at 0.4% on a quarter on quarter basis. And that was a little bit, bit stronger than the Bank of England itself was expecting. And that's kind of got people re refocusing again on the rate height next week. So it's a, it's a very close call, I think, for the Bank of England next week. We're going to have to see how the figures come in between now and then, but it's certainly be something for investors to watch because whatever the outcome is, I think we'll see the asset markets and the pound reacting. Thank you, Jeremy. Mark? Mark? Yes. We've had some good U.S. data in the past couple of days. Yes, well, uh, today is... Um is uh, Wednesday, uh, October 25th, and we've had, uh, is what, is there something funny? What? No? Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, we had a very strong uh, uh, day of economic data today. Uh, it's almost peculiar. Uh, it's uh, durable goods really spiked up strongly. It includes 1.3% uh, monthly gains for the cap core capital goods readings. That's three in a row. That points to rising business investment consistent with all the uh, confidence in the business um, in the business expectations reports. Uh, we've also had uh, strong uh, FHA price data, and we had a gigantic spike in new home sales. And that, was, that one is really uh, a tough one to get a hold of. Uh, the data it really have to be averaged out for new home sales, but they're still uh, showing quite a lot of acceleration, a surprising amount of acceleration, and really no hurricane effects whatsoever. If anything, they seem to have stimulated sales as the South was the best performer. So it's a pretty strong week. Uh, you know, any questions? Yeah, Mark, I can ask you one if I can. Okay, please. Bond markets. Are we now, from where you're talking, you're clearly talking the U.S. economy up. 
we've got the, the, the Federal Reserve, in contrast to what we're seeing over here now, starting to shrink its balance sheet. Are we in the kind of environment now where the bond market is you know, at perhaps significant downside risk? Well, that's a good question. It really depends on if the uh, stock market keeps going higher. As long as the stock market keeps going higher, there is a, uh, I think there will, there will be um, the risk of, uh, of a economic uh, instability, which is keeping demand in the bond market right now. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, we are getting rates backing up a little bit, but not very substantially given how strong the recent economic data have been. Um, I think uh, the equity markets here are so high right now, I think that they will become a topic. Asset prices at the coming FOMC at the month end, which is not usually a topic for them, but they are very tight right now. And, uh, well, how about Europe? Uh, what, what are the equity markets like there? Well, here again, I'm buying large equity markets. I'm, I'll, I'll strip the you know, UK markets out of this because because the Brexit issue makes things a bit different. Uh, but by and large, European equity markets are still doing very well. I'm partly, it's got to be said, I think, you know, on the coattails of what's happening your side of the pond. Um, and also, there's this ongoing belief that as far as interest rates are concerned over here, you know, they're going to stay down for the foreseeable future. So there's no real risk in terms of you know, being, being ha having large interest rate exposure. So by and large, the sense here, I think, as, as you were saying, uh, in many ways, a lot of these markets are probably somewhat overcooked, but there's still this sort of underlying belief that so long mm -hmm. as the U.S. continues to go up, we're going to follow suit. Well, also, the rates here, even though they are back, you know, they're, they're relatively low and they've been backing up a little bit, but they're substantially higher than they are in Europe right now, which is an attraction uh, for the bond market here. Guys, isn't there something on the table here that's not reflected in economic data, and that is the imminent appointment of a new Fed chair? That's possible. Uh, I think that the taxes are a bigger issue. Uh, I, you know, we have uh, two candidates coming up. I guess it's going to be either uh, Jerome Powell, who's on the board, or uh, uh, um, John Taylor, who's uh, an outsider, although he's a, a very well-known in his uh, Taylor rule, which uh, equates in, in inflation with um, interest rates, has been very, uh, is a, 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 a standard tool in the, the Federal Reserve. He's a bit of an outsider, but they're both Republicans. And interestingly, I don't think they represent, even though they are Republicans, they don't represent a threat to the uh, independence of the Fed, which was a question with the Trump administration. So um, I'm not sure that there's a lot of, uh, there will be a lot of uh, ripples in the market. I think the tax, however, uh, whether or not we get the, the Republican Senate or the Republican Congress, for that matter, to uh, 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 hammer out a, a corporate tax cut is really a, a question for the markets. Now, if that fails, it would be interesting to see how the markets react. I mean, uh, there may be no reaction. We can't really gauge, even though we've attributed so much of the recent equity market rally to the coming tax changes there whether they how it behaves whether or not they pass is still unknown well i guess we'll have to wait uh on the fed announcement uh for the new chair uh the president has said he would announce it prior to his trip to Asia, which is on Friday, November 3rd. The meeting, the FOMC meeting, is on the 1st. So it's, next week should be a very interesting week all around. Thank you, guys.